Nelson, and you're listening to the Starting Block Podcast. Guys, this is a show for complete athletic development. Our mission, our objective here is to give you guys the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Scarborough. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Guys, if you are new to the show, welcome. Appreciate you. Here's how we operate, all right? We have multiple shows within the show. So first one you will hear, this is a bi-weekly episode. This is a Q&A. It's where we take the questions you submit to us at info at startingblockpodcast.com. And we'll, uh, we'll tackle those. That can be anything related to strength, speed, power, nutrition, rehab, the neuro stuff. Um, we can follow up on some guest uh, interviews as well uh, to the best of our ability. And uh, we'll tackle those on Q&A. So we've had uh, a lot of good questions after the last few episodes. So keep them coming. Again, I ask if you don't mind, just shoot us an email rather than DMing us. It just gets a little difficult to keep track of things. So I don't really know why that direction is so hard to follow, guys. It's pretty simple. We don't, I love communicating with you guys. Chris does too, but just real talk. You give us a solid and maybe just shoot us an email. That'd be great. Um, but uh, that's Q&A. The other episode you'll hear is uh, the other bi-weekly. It's a guest interview. That's like every other podcast on the planet. That's where we'll bring in our guests, colleagues, friends from across the country and the globe. They'll share their stories of success, what they do with their clients, their patients, their practices, their gyms, um, how they win. Um, and a lot of times uh, it's cool because you'll be able to take some practical info from that and apply it. And it also gives you, uh, you know, you guys, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach, somebody to connect with. And uh, somebody that shares the same core values and mission that Chris and I do here. And then that final episode is about a quarterly episode-ish. We might start doing a few more of them. Is the Friday Fire in Fact. And uh, this is coming out on Tuesday. So you just heard our last one. So if you're still with us after that episode, I appreciate it. Um, I promise I'm not completely insane. Um, I encourage you to go read the books I told you to read. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you listening. So, um, finally, we do not run ads on the show. Um, we simply ask that if you get value out of this, just share it. Please bring us a friend. Help us spread the message, guys. We're here because, uh, quite frankly, I was sick and tired of all the coach-to-coach shows that just went over everybody's head, and there's not really any practical stuff you could take from it. And uh, I said, I don't want to listen to this type of crap anymore. And we decided to uh, do our own show. And, uh, yeah, so I just asked if you get value out of it, just, just share it and just help, uh, you know, help us spread this message. So that's all I ask. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I should cover all the housekeeping stuff, I believe. Yeah, I think that's about it. So what's new, man? Uh, about the same old thing, different day there, John. Um I did have a question that I, I and I asked the I told the question asker that I would address it, although I don't think they're going to be satisfied with my uh, response. And John, you recall when we had Jack Cruz on the very first time, which would have been back in the spring, so going back nine months or so ago, eight nine months ago. Yeah, and he mentioned a gentleman that he saw um, who was told. He needed a hip replacement. Do you recall the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he found and something in his eye. And yeah, he looked in the gentleman's eye. Uh, this is an elderly gentleman, you know, good health, but told he needed a hip replacement. Dr. Jack looked in his eye. Uh, that led him to do an MRI of the gentleman's brain and found a spot uh, in part of the brain and was told, you know, 
you don't need a hip replacement, try this first. Sure enough, the guy does what Dr. Jack says and never had surgery. Lo and behold, he's fine ne or never has to have surgery. Um, as much as I hate to claim ignorance on something like that, John, and maybe you have a good answer for that, but um, I have nothing. I mean, this is way beyond my pay grade. I don't know what Dr. Jack saw. I don't know even know what part of the brain. He, he mentioned the part of the brain he found it in, but I don't remember what that was off the top of my head. Um, yeah, and, I don't um, remember. I mean, you're, you're talking about a a many-year experienced neurosurgeon. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I hate yeah. to claim ignorance, but I truly don't know. Exactly. I don't know. He, he mentioned what he saw. I mean, I, I don't recall. Um, and I, I agree. I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's way, way outside of what we do. Um, you know, I know, I mean, just on the very, very basic levels, like, I mean, I know my wife who's a, you know, a board certified doctor in naturopathic medicine has done some study, you know, identify, but I don't, you know, some different, you know, things in the eyes, but not anywhere to that type of level where, you know, you identify a brain tumor. Like that's something that somebody of Jack, Dr. Jack Cruz's level is capable of doing. Right. <laughs> so exactly. Dr. Jack Cruz and we're not. Right. Um, exactly. So yeah, sorry, sorry, bro. I, I wish I could help you there, but that's, yeah, that's way outside of anything that we do. I, I would encourage you to Go back and listen to that if you, you know, I, I think he did mention what he saw. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I probably, I can't help you there anymore. As but far although as I, I, I will say this, I mean, I, I will definitely reach out to Dr. Jack um, and just see if he will be willing to respond. Um, keep in mind, just because he found this spot on this gentleman doesn't mean it, it necessarily will help you. <laughs> You know, so we're not, you know, again, yeah. and I mean, there's not, a lot of, know, there's a lot of truth to like stud to study of the eyes and, and what, you know, what goes on. I mean, absolutely. There's good stuff. I mean, I, I don't know if that's something specialized in for neurosurgeons or not. I, I genuinely don't know, um, right. you know, but I can assure you that it's something that's a little over our pay grade. Right. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so anyway, appreciate I appreciate you asking though. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, yeah. Sorry. Don't have an answer, but. But anyway, the the next question, though, that we probably can be a little more uh, educated about, and that is the use of we'll FRC. <laughs> so it depend, you know, FRC is not something I'm trained in. John, you are. Um, so first of all, what is FRC? What does that stand for? But secondly, how do you use it with different levels of athletes, and how do you incorporate it into warm-ups and training? Sure. So um, FRC, how did I figure How did I find out about FRC? Um I think Ryan, Ryan Paul introduced me to FRC. Um, I went and took the course, and then, ironically, uh, Garrett Salpeter and I took the FRC course together uh, years years ago. Um, all right, so FRC, um, functional range conditioning, um, it's part of, like, the functional range movement systems um, designed by Dr. Spina. I believe Dr. Spina is out of Canada. Um, it's great stuff. Um, FRC is, like, the entry-level certification course. Um, and that teaches you basically the essentials of like articular control or, um, you know, joint control. Um, so you have FRC, then you go, there are a couple other levels. Uh, you have FRA, which is the assessment component and I'll touch on those. There's a kin stretch, which is like how to put all the information into like a group like setting. Um, we have gone through all three of those. Um, we're certified in all of them. Um, and then there's the FR courses. Um, I think it's just called functional release, I think is what they call it. 
it is uh, that's designed for like healthcare providers specifically. I think non healthcare providers can take it; they just won't certify you in it. And uh, that I believe has to do a little bit more with like manual therapy. Like, so, you know, if you're doing something with the joint and you find like one of these indicator signs that he shows you of like, you know, um, an issue with the joint, then like an FR certified specialist can uh, attack it from kind of the same level of, um, you know, um, application as you were just a tr- in a treatment modality. Um, so the FRC side of it is, um, there's, I mean, really popular. There's a lot of people that are FRC certified um, across the globe. It's, it's huge. Um, so the basics of FRC are to uh, understand how the joints actually work, why they are so important. One of the things you take away with that is that the joints are very neurologically rich. Um, there are there's a lot of information coming from the joints to the nervous system, and so it's really imperative that your joints are able to move freely and be able to go through their fullest range of motion because the body can adapt around that. And if there's inhibited signals from the joint to the nervous system, there could be compensations and things like that to develop. So um, understanding how the joints work, all right, that's kind of one. And then being able to train them, um, that's two. So first way would be like through cars or controlled articular rotations. And there's a couple different levels and progressions of it. Um, Basically, this is kind of the popular version that you see. And like I said, it's just taking the joint through the greatest range of motion that you can. Um, You do that to, A, wake the joint up, but B, is to just get things firing again. Like, if you think about the fact that if you've just been sitting all day and not doing much, and then you try to go to throw, okay, well, yeah, you can warm your arm up, but if you think about your glenohumeral joint or your shoulder right there, if you've just been sitting not doing anything all day, just a little warm-up, like, what does that truly do? You know, when you and that's kind of stuff we break down versus doing something like your cars where you're actively engaged and actively taking that joint through its fullest range of motion. You're getting a lot of feedback, um, and that'll help wake things up. So level one is just kind of that, being able to take the joint through the range of motion without any compensation. So we teach that um, we teach that every every athlete when they come in. You know, like it does no good to be able to do like a glenohumeral, you know, car or like a shoulder car where, you know, you're taking your arm through this huge arm circle, but like, you know, you're flexing or extending the wrist through that type of range of motion. That's just a very basic way of looking at it. The joint has to work independently before it can work dependently with the rest of the body. Um, then from cars, you can go into like pales rails. So, um, well, I, I'll take a step back with cars real quick. Car, You see cars all over the place. And like I got a real problem with it because there are a ton of people out there that incorporate it that have no idea what they're actually like doing. Like why? You know, they just they see it as a fad. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do cars in between. It's like. Bro, you have no understanding of really what's truly happening right there and the actual things that need to be implemented, like the amount of tension that is implemented when you do that, the, you know, the engagement of different things, um, you know, the irradiation components. So, like, it's just kind of been butchered, I feel like. Just everybody's doing them. But um, so you have uh, cars, and you can kind of load the cars, challenge them a little bit more. And then you have pales rails, um, progressive and regressive angular isometrics, this is how we change and influence mobility. So, um, like, random mobility drills are, are fine, you know? Like, you can just 
just loosen the body up, right? Like nothing wrong with that. But Pales Rails is very specific to the joint, okay? So somebody may be lacking, you know, let's just say, you know, hip external rotation, okay? Well, rather than just doing a random, like, hip external rotation or, like, um, or pigeon stretch or something like that, there's actually methodology behind that, all right? And that methodology is, it's akin to... PNF or proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation, or it's akin to like isometric work to, to a degree. I don't, that's not entirely true, but it's essentially a trainable feat. That's why typically mobility doesn't last. Cause if you're just doing random mobility drills, your body's going to want to revert back to what it knows. So you have to actually train it. And so pales rails does that, you know, we can actively incorporate like PNF, a contract and release, which by the way, is another way to help lengthen tissue out in addition to extreme isometrics. All right, contract, release, and then train it from there. Um, Pales rails are very intensive. Um, And then you can train the rest of the joint through different things like in-range liftoff, hovers, um, things like that. Um, So that's kind of FRC in a nutshell. Um, FRA, uh, we will look at passive and active ranges of motion because there's a big difference between the two. I've talked about that before. Um, Passive is what? You can, I can get a joint into active is what you can control. This is a major issue in the baseball community um, because everybody wants to do their uh, J bands and everything else. And they're always told, I got to strengthen, got to strengthen, got to strengthen. Well, you know, I can't tell you the amount of people that I've seen that lack active external rotation yet. They think band work is going to fix that. It does not. You have to train the joint at its weakest angle. Again, kind of sounds like extreme isometrics to a degree. Um, and so FRA is good. Um, we can take a look at, I mean, all the major joints, passive and active ranges of motion, see what you're lacking and, uh, balance that out. The kin stretch side of it is, uh, like I said, is the group kind of training because a lot of FRC is the training component. Like how do you make the joint stronger in its, you know, weakest range of motion. And then kin stretch is just putting that in a class setting, um, and Ken stretch is brutal. Like it's really freaking hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I can't even, I can't do half the stuff. Um, but it's really, it's good stuff. Um, so how do you apply all that into warmups and things like that? Um, we normally do cars before a workout. Um, I encourage you to do cars, you know, before a game or practice it, when you do it the right way, it takes you know, two minutes. Um, you know, I do them every day. Um, I do them kind of in between appointments too, just because, you know, when you're muscle testing a lot of people, your shoulders kind of start taking beating. Um, so implement cars, you know, before, uh, workouts, before bullpens, before, um, you know, games, things like that. As far as, uh, you could also, and Brad actually, I remember Brad from, um, elite, uh, athlete training yes. systems up in Canada. Yes. He does cars in between like lifts and, uh, I, that's, that's awesome. That's a really good idea. I like that too. You know, because you're putting a ton of pressure, you know, from the lift on the joint. And so, you know, when you have the break, you're able to kind of open that joint back up, which I thought that was a really good idea. Um, and cars, one more time, is controlled articular range. Uh, controlled articular rotations. Rotations. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And there's, I mean, uh, on the ELP YouTube page, I mean, I've got all those up there. I have like the basic level one. There's 10,000 better videos out there though. Like, I mean, you type in FRC cars on YouTube and you're going to get, you know, a billion freaking hits. Um, cause there's just, it, it's endless. There's so many different variations and things you can do. I just teach mm-hmm. the very beginning. Um, 
So, um, yeah, you can implement cars all the time. Pales rails is much more on kind of this prescription type of basis. Like if you're actively trying to change the mobility of a joint, if you do it the right way, it's, it's going to get very sore. Um, so you do not do pales rails before, you know, you, uh, you, you go throw or you have a game. You don't do that. Um, do them in your workout. You could do them before you could do them after whatever, do them in a very strategic manner. I usually tell people if we're going to work on something two, maybe three times a week, depending on how you feel, um, because they are very intensive, um, and you will, you will feel it. And it's like, you don't want to create this new capacity in the joint. Like, let's just say you're a pitcher, like it would make zero sense to create this new capacity of movement in your shoulder and then go throw a, and go, you know, throw 80 pitches. Like that makes zero sense at all. Like <laughs> you have to actually strengthen and train it first. Mm-hmm. So that's pales rails. Um, like I said, I do the, I would do those in a controlled training environment. Um, you know, cars you could do all the time. Gotcha. I think that answers the question. So if, if you were to find a deficit then in, in some sort of a, you know, an FRC, some sort of deficit for this person and, Instead of doing, say, a, a you know, pales rails or whatever, but let's say instead you decided to do a neuro target, or I were to do a, you know, say a, a some correctives, uh, uh, cor- you know, correctives with say square one, I wonder if we would clear up some of those deficits would show up in say, you know, an FRC evaluation. You know, wonder. I would imagine we would. I would imagine some of those things would would correct. With uh, neurotargeting, yeah, absolutely. With- um, I mean, I, I've definitely seen that happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because tissue restriction can still be a it can still be a neural based issue. Like there could be a you know, like how we use the term perception of threat. You know, to where the brain is locking that down, or maybe a muscle is shut down. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I definitely combine combine the two when I can. I mean, you know, when you have you know, 15 athletes in a group, like it's kind of hard to, you know, to, to do all that with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also found that it works the other way as well. So like when people have poor, um, you know, poor rotational capacity in their shoulder, then the brain may be like, look, this thing doesn't move the right way. And I'm just going to keep shutting this muscle off and you're just not going to be able to use it. I've seen that as well, you know, right. so it can work kind of both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, makes total sense if you think about it, because, you know, you correct one, you just correct it. It's not like yeah. it's, it's not like yeah. it's a uh, selective. Oh you, yeah. You just got better at FRC, but, but your mm-hmm. square one still sucks. You know, it's not going to yeah. work like that. You know, it, either threat is gone or it's not, you know, yeah. so yeah. And that's where the trainability sense. side of it comes in. And that's where FRC, I mean, it is good. It, it's a lot of information. Um, but the training side of it is important because your brain is going to revert back. Like it, like I just said, there's a reason that like your mobility doesn't last. Your, your body wants the path of least resistance, right? And so, you know, if you've trained it to be, you know, I say train it, but if you haven't been training and then you can't all of a sudden move, like it's going to go back to the way that it wants to, you know, it initially wanted to act. And so like you have to train it. And, and FRC does a good job of kind of putting a system in place there um, to help the practitioner train those joints after you have changed the, the uh, mobility. I've had great success with it. I like it. Something Garrett and I have done, um, Garrett um, in his, I think it's his level one course. Um, that's one of the things we do with the newbie. 
Um, it's kind of some of our uh, exercise protocols, depending on kind of where they are. I don't want to speak on behalf of Garrett for that, but like we we will do like cars, you know, with the newbie and stuff too. Absolutely, mm-hmm. take the Makes joint sense. through the greatest range of motion, depending on what their limitations are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of good stuff to it. Um, whoever the Braves pitcher is, I can't ever remember the guy's name. Um, he's their ace. He uh, he's he's kind of made cars popular again. Like he does his cars for every warm up. You know, or like every outing, like, you know, so it's like, they're very beneficial if you do them the right way. Very cool. All right. Good question. Yeah. Good question. Yes. Very good. All right. Next question. So, well, this was, uh, this was one of my clients who was actually mentioning that every time they tried to do an ISO extreme lunge, they still feel the, the front leg quad. Okay, so the thigh muscle in their front leg, is there still their limiting factor? I mean, lactic acid to the point to where they can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. All right? So what's your solution for something like that? Real talk, this is one of the reasons why I sometimes hate talking about this type of stuff. Because I think people, you overanalyze it, guys. Like, we've literally laid everything out for you. Like, couldn't make it any clearer. And I don't know who you are, how old you are, you're Chris's client, so I'll be nice. <laughs> like, here's the way I would approach it. Like, choose the wall sit. I think that's a good one. All right. I mean, the, the lunge. I mean, I guess either one, but I just, I kind of have my process with stuff. So, I tell people, like, you're still going to feel that muscle. Like, it, it's still there. It, it's still working. Something is still happening. But the more important element and factor is are you in position and are you engaging the right muscles? So we talk about the front leg and the lunge, like the hamstring. Are you engaging? That doesn't mean just because you're squeezing the hamstring, you're not going to feel the quad there. No, of course you are. Like, cause it's still being used. That's the point. So like, that's a simple answer is just stop overanalyzing it. In my opinion, know what you now, now, I'll take a step back, though. Like, if you cannot engage that hamstring at all, like, if that's a problem and you just, the quad is just 100% taking over, you can't engage it at all, then, yes, there are some things you can do. Like, I'll hook a band up to somebody's shin and kind of pull and get them to feel that and get them to engage. I might hook the newbie up to them, vice versa. But, you know, as, Dave, as David said, you know, don't feel, just execute. That is true. Hundred percent, but stop overanalyzing and just make sure you're 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 just trying to feel what you're supposed to be feeling. If you feel something else, it's okay. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. That's my opinion. Well, <clears throat> kind of going back to what you've mentioned in previous podcasts, so too in a, in a lunge specifically, maybe not so much in a, in a um, wall squat, but. If you really ex- work on extending your back leg, so your back leg has is it is loaded, right? Your back leg is loaded because a lot of times you'll find beginners who shift ninety percent of their weight to the front or to the back, and like neither one of those are correct, right? You have to extend, be working on extending the back leg. Give your give your front leg something to pull against, as opposed to shifting all of your weight to the front leg. That's sometimes the answer. Uh, you just mentioned the putting the band around the, the, the lower leg and giving it a little pull. Yep. Kind of another thing that you have mentioned before, which was good, like to know if you're doing it right, 
use a slippery surface. I do that with people yeah. a lot too. You know, I'll put them on socks yep. on the concrete floor or like our turf isn't glued down. And so I can immediately tell you whether you're using the right muscles or not. You know, that's another way to maybe you still feel it, but are you using the right muscles? Yes or no. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's little things that you can certainly do. Um, but in, in order to, you know, try to find that you are feeling, you know, you, cause you don't want to feel that front quad. I mean, I will tell you right now, you do not want to be feeling that front quad. And generally speaking, you know, what I have found with most people is that we've got to get a, find a way to get the hamstrings more engaged, which would be, you know, band, you know, like you said, a loose, you know, something that will move if, if you don't, that that's, if you don't pull the right way, a slippery surface, socks on a, on a hard, uh, slick surface, you know, turf that's not, uh, not glued down, whatever the case may be, um, extending the back leg. So the front leg has something to pull against, not something to push against. So it's re- really in, in most cases I, I've seen, it's really more learning to pull as opposed to push. In which case, yeah, but learning to pull just because you learn to pull doesn't mean that you still don't feel the quad at all. Like Correct. that's where I, that's where I argue with it because you just said you shouldn't feel it at all. I, I I don't agree with that. Now maybe Jay or Doctor Jay somebody would disagree with me on that too, or you know say I'm wrong, but like it's still there. It's right. it's still working. It's what what's going on like neurologically and what's happening around that joint that is what's important. And then all the other factors play a role in that too, like your position, but like, you're still going to feel it. It's no different. You're doing a preacher curl. Like right. you just you squeezing the triceps. You're still going to feel the bicep or standing hamstring, right? Like right. You squeeze your quads on the standing hamstring. You feel the hamstring more like same concept. <laughs> and like, right. this is where I think people just go, they go too deep into this. And like you can go all the yeah. way back to the early two thousands when all this stuff was out there. Like it's just like, just do it. Just right, and, and I'll be the first to admit, in the podcast, in our most recent ISO Extreme podcast or isometrics podcast, I used the word on-off, where I really should have used the word short and lengthen. That probably would have been a better description. If, if a muscle, sh- in this case, John, like you were talking about, if the quad were to shut off, you would actually collapse to the floor, right? You The, the you. muscle is still working, it's just lengthening. Yes. But it is still working. If it were to shut off, and again, that was my poor choice of words in that podcast, you would absolutely collapse to the floor. So, yes, it is not shut off. That, And actually, I can also thank David Boer for that, for, for kind of bringing that to my attention as well. Because, yeah, it is not shut off. Okay, so <laughs> that's, uh, you know, th- there you would not have the, uh, that, that, um, that, reversing effect like a, someone who throws or or someone who jumps or someone who runs you would not have that same effect um if if, if a muscle were to truly shut off because then it would have to turn right back on from a completely yeah and that's yes that was a poor choice of words on my part so it's length and shorten not off on how about that mm-hmm. yeah no I, I i think that's a good way to phrase it um yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think we answered it. I just, I don't know. I, I think people just they they overanalyze these things too much, and like it's paralysis by analysis. You know, it, I mean, but I mean that's the type of world we live in. Paral- There's so much information. It's paralysis by analysis. When it's like, keep it simple. 
stop worrying about some of these. Like, just keep it simple. That has been around for a long. Keep it simple, stupid. It's been around for a very long time. Keep it simple. Do the basics. It's okay. You know, it's a good option to maybe try to see if you're using the right muscle, though, because of course that that does matter. Yep. Like, Agreed. I don't know. I feel like I could just harp on that for you know another twenty minutes or so, but I won't do that. Um, Easy, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, just do just do the shit, guys. Like, just go, just do it. Try, you know. Worry about how hard you're squeezing, how much weight you can hold, how deep you can go, all that good stuff. That's that's good stuff. Cool. Um, all right, cool. What else, man? We got anything else? I think that is our last one. Just very uh, uh, short and to the point podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, we got uh, we got some good guests coming up here over the next uh, couple weeks. We'll see. You guys will hear this uh, this upcoming, yeah, this Tuesday, uh, the first Tuesday in February. Then our next uh, guest interview, I think you guys will like. That's going to be Jennifer Childers. That is um, one of the healthcare providers that I work with in the area, and I think this is going to be a really cool episode. I think you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this because, especially you guys that do Square One, I know there's not a lot of uh, a lot a lot of us NeuroTarget people out there. But for doing square one, for using the newbie, like and having the ability to work with a healthcare provider, I think it's going to be really cool. I think she's going to give a lot of information. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the show, guys. If you got value out of it, uh, if we didn't completely suck, please share it. Appreciate you. Love you. See you all later.